shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Hope this morning that you've allowed the, the music to get the message to sink into your soul. You are deeply loved by God. That was what we studied last week. We were talking about David and, and what helped him to have grow a bold heart. And that fifth piece was that he constantly entered into the reality of being deeply loved by God. And I can be honest, I hope that's bugged you this week. I hope it's just kind of bothered you that you've thought, how often do I allow myself to enter into the reality of being deeply loved by God. We're going to take a little different approach to communion this morning. Uh, we're going to have you stay seated, and the trays are going to come to you. And as you walked in, you were handed a sheet of paper that has uh, the, the lyrics of a song, a song that will be playing during communion, and we want you to focus on the words. Uh, the music is pretty, but the music is a vehicle to get the truth of Scripture into our hearts. So we'll focus on that. But before we do, Brian's going to come and read Psalm 103 to us. This beautiful Psalm of David. I mean, listen, listen to this healthy soul. Just an incredibly healthy soul speak about being deeply loved by God. In Psalm 103. O oh, my soul, come, praise the eternal with all that is in me, body, emotions, mind, and will, every part of who I am, praise his holy name. O oh, my soul, come, praise the eternal, sing a song from a grateful heart, sing and never forget about all the good he has done. Despite all your many offenses, he forgives and releases you. More than any doctor, he heals your diseases. He reaches deep into the pit to deliver you from death. He crowns you with unfailing love and compassion like a king. When your soul is famished and withering, he fills you with good and beautiful things, satisfying you as long as you live. He makes you strong like an eagle, restoring your youth. When people are crushed, wronged, enslaved, raped, murdered, the eternal is just. He makes the wrongs right. He showed Moses his ways. He allowed his people, Israel, to see his wonders and acts of power. The eternal is compassionate and merciful. When we cross all the lines, he is patient with us. When we struggle against him, he lovingly stays with us. Changing, convicting, prodding. He will not constantly criticize, nor will he hold a grudge forever. Thankfully, God does not punish us for our sins and depravity we deserve. In his mercy, he tempers justice with peace. Measure how high heaven is above the earth. God's wide, loving, kind heart is greater for those who revere him. 
You see, God takes all our crimes, our seemingly inexhaustible sins, and removes them. As far east as from the west, he removes them from us. An earthly father expresses love for his children. It is no different with our heavenly father. The eternal shows his love for those who revere him. For he knows what we are made of. He knows our frame is frail. And he remembers that we came from dust. The children of Adam are like grass. Their days are few. They flourish for a time like flowers in a meadow. As the wind blows over the field and the bloom is gone, it doesn't take much to blow us out of the memory of that place. But the unfailing love of the eternal is always and eternal for those who reverently run after him. He extends his justice on and on to future generations, to those who will keep his bond of love and remember to walk in the guidance of his commands. The Eternal has established his throne up in the heavens. He rules over every seen and unseen realm and creature. Adore him. Give him praise. You heavenly messengers, you powerful creatures who listen and act on his every word. Give praise to the Eternal, all armies of heaven, you servants who stand ready to do his will. Give praise to the Eternal, all that he has made in all corners of his creation. O my soul, come, praise the Eternal. my thoughts, the things that no one sees. He knows my heart, it's every broken piece. Somehow still, I'm held by this one thing. Somehow still, I'm held by this one thing.
Even me, God. Not just the good person sitting next to me. Even me. You love us fully, richly, completely. Thank you for your amazing love. Help us to begin to grasp it and to live in its reality. I pray that we would like the Apostle Paul find ourselves just euphoric as we think about a love that has no height, depth, all those things that can't separate us uh, from you. Let us feel and believe that we are that loved. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week we looked at a story that is probably among the ten most common in all the Bible, the epic battle between David and Goliath. Through this story we wanted to learn what grew a brave heart in David. How did, how did that happen? What, into de- what went into developing his boldness, his courage, his conviction? We looked deeply into his heart to find five ways that God was growing boldness in him through the course of his young life. We grow a brave heart by experiencing God's presence while engaging daily challenges. So it's not just the experience of the challenge, but knowing God is with us in the challenge. Enduring blistering criticism. Engaging the enemy in our own skin, not trying to be someone else, but being us. Embracing the bigger picture, and finally entering into the reality of being deeply loved by God. And it's that fifth one today that we want to drill down into much more deeply. Entering into the reality of being deeply loved by God. One of my favorite contemporary Christian artists is Rich Mullins. His music is different than a lot of other artists. It's kind of thick and brooding and complex. And I think it's written from a place that few artists dare go. We didn't know it at the time, but but Rich was a pretty tortured soul. His childhood was brutal. His father was dreadfully overbearing, withholding of approval and excessively cruel. And Rich had a softness within him as a kid that is particularly vulnerable to the ways of a cruel, cruel father. This led him not only to write songs from a place of deep brokenness, but also to live life chasing sinful and destructive paths that he hoped would deaden the pain of his soul. He died in September of 1997, not too far from here. He was driving down Interstate 39 and was killed in a car accident. He died in a season that it seemed like the ghosts of his childhood were finally getting under control. He seemed to be finally, after decades of life, 
accepting the idea that he was actually deeply loved by God. A biographical movie was produced a few years ago detailing his journey. It's called Ragamuffin. If you're going to watch it, i got to warn you. If you like to live in the land of make-believe that all things, all things Christian act Christ-like, you'll probably want to skip this film, okay? If, on the other hand, you live and breathe a real-world gospel, you're going to find this movie very compelling. One reviewer wrote, the movie is accurate, honest, and unafraid to show Rich's scars, yet pointing us to the deeper truth That even if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. The movie begins with a quote by Brennan Manning, a man who himself lived a lifetime battling the demons of a well digger. To some degree, his statement is hyperbole, but the longer I live, the longer I see the truth of his words. The movie opens and you hear these words, I am now utterly convinced that on Judgment Day, The Lord Jesus will ask one question and one only. Did you believe that I loved you? If you grew up in church, you sang the song, right? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. I think that song reveals part of the problem for a lot of us. It's a problem of a distance of about 12 inches. The Bible tells me Jesus loves me. Where do we know that? Well, we know that here, right? We know that here. We know the fact of it. We know it here. But do we believe it here? And do we feel it here? It's got to move beyond our heads. For many of us, the love of God is an objective reality. We know it but we have not yet let it sink in deeply. We do not believe it in our hearts. We do not feel it in our gut. Of the five elements that grew bravery in David's heart, I am convinced it is the fifth that was the difference maker. David consistently entered into the reality of being deeply loved by God. He knew it, he believed it, he felt it. It was part of his being. David grew a loved heart. How does that happen? How do we grow a heart that knows we are loved, that believes we are loved, that feels we are loved? Well, we said last week, I really think it started with his name, David. David means beloved or deeply loved. Every time he heard his name, he was reminded of the reality, I am God's beloved. I am deeply loved by God. Great for David, but most of us aren't named David. I mean, some of us are named Dennis. Follower of the Greek god of wine, okay? Dennis, name spelled backward, S-I-N-N-E-D, sinned. This is not the kind of name that makes you feel good about yourself or deeply loved by God. Do we all have to name our kids David from now on in order for them to feel deeply loved by God? No, of course not, of course not. What we need to do is live in the reality of our name, in the reality of our identity. The name that matters most is not the one assigned to us by our parents. We sing it around here, don't we? I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. That's the name that matters to you. That's the identity that needs to stick. You're God's kid. Do you know, do you understand, and do you accept that true identity? Not just here, but here and here. Do you know you're God's kid? 
We had you read Psalm 103 during the week in preparation for this teach. Brian just read it a couple minutes ago. Look at these words. Psalm 103, 13 to 14. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. I mean, that's unimaginable to some of us because we did not have tender and compassionate fathers, but God is a tender and compassionate father. He knows we are weak. He remembers we are only dust. I mean, first, he is our dad, and he's a good dad. He's a perfect dad who is tender and compassionate. And David goes on to say, he knows my limitations, What does a heavenly father expect from kids he made out of dust? He expects mud. He expects lots of dirt. In light of this, David is able to say in verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. I pray these words every day as part of my prayer of confession. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. I need to be reminded of those words because I just want to beat myself up for my sins, but the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. We need to hear those words again and again and again. Here it is in another version. The eternal is compassionate and merciful. When we cross the lines, he is patient with us. When we struggle against him, he lovingly stays with us, changing, convicting, prodding. He will not constantly criticize, nor will he hold a grudge forever. My name is child of God. I'm a kid of the king. And two things really matter here. Because for a lot of us, the name that is stuck are the names other people call us. The ways other people have referred to us. But there are two things that matter here. What does God call you? And what do you call yourself? What does God call you and what do you call yourself? God calls us his child. What's the talk going on in your head? Does it match that? We need to bring into alignment God's name for us and our name for ourselves. Well, let's move to the next part of growing a loved heart. We saw it in the verses we read before. David could enter into the reality of being deeply loved by God because he embraced his true identity and also because he accepted God's unlimited forgiveness. Think about it. A man with lust on his mind and blood on his hands could write these words. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. In verse 9 he says, He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are dust. David, you got to understand, never minimizes his sin or his guilt. He doesn't just blow it off, but he knows here and here and here that God's mercy is greater than any sin. God's forgiveness is more powerful than any human being can ever imagine. I've witnessed this too many times throughout the years. So many people live stuck in shame and guilt They may even say, I've asked God to forgive me, but I can't accept his forgiveness. And they can't forgive themselves. Psalm 103 is a clear example of a healthy, well-loved soul. 
David knows he is forgiven. He has no doubt of it. He embraces his identity. I am the loved child of God. He accepts God's forgiveness, full, rich, and complete. One more. David constantly engages the truth. He's constantly dwelling on the truth. Lies. Satan is called the father of lies. He loves it when we choose to live in his lies. Feeling loved and believing you're loved starts right here. It starts with knowing that you're loved. It starts by knowing the truth. David, by trade, was a shepherd. And at the same time, he had the heart of the artist and the gifts of a talented musician. David wrote many of the Psalms in the Bible, and the Psalms weren't just poems. Many were sung by Israel in worship. He wrote the lyrics, he wrote the music, and sometimes he even was the performer. He led the worship. It's amazing. After David was anointed king in 1 Samuel 16, we read these words. Now the spirit of the Lord left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. The absence of God's spirit created a void, and the void was filled with a demonic presence. Quick aside, when David wrote in Psalm 51, do not cast me from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me, he knew exactly what that looked like. David witnessed firsthand God withdrawing his spirit from Saul only to have the void filled by the demonic. In a real sense, this possibility was haunting to King David. Anyway, Saul's servant makes a suggestion while witnessing Saul in torment. He says, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play a harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play soothing music and soon you will be well again. He makes what seems to be at that time a common knowledge statement. Music holds great spiritual power. David is asked by the servant to come and play. Look at what it says. Whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. Do any of you like applesauce? I like applesauce. I have a favorite brand. I've been, I've been getting this at Jewel. Officer Mullins. Chicago's finest applesauce, extra rich and thick. It's wonderful. It's more expensive than normal, but man, it tastes good. It's just so good. I mean, get some pork chops going, put that on the side. Oh. Or my favorite, actually, is when I'll do uh, cottage cheese, put some applesauce with it, and eat a chicken pot pie. Can, 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 can we just go ahead and take a break right now? I love applesauce. Applesauce is wonderful. Applesauce also has another effective, uh, 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 effective quality. It helps us in swallowing pills. Got a little kid, doesn't like the taste of whatever the medicine is, hide it in some applesauce, zing down the throat. It works. When you're older, your throat motility starts to get a little bit troublesome, take that pill, put it in some applesauce, give it a swallow, and the, and the applesauce helps. Applesauce helps us to take our medicine. Applesauce is to the pill what music is to truth. I know it sounds strange. Music is the applesauce that helps us ingest the truth. I mean, you just thought it was pretty stuff. The music is the applesauce. And hidden in the applesauce is the message. 
that God wants to sink deeply inside of you. I think part of the reason David so easily entered into the reality of being deeply loved by God was his relationship to music. The truth was on a drip line into his soul, being fed to him by the tune of his heart. You know, we don't sing around here to fill a void, okay? I could talk for 60 minutes, I promise you. It would be quite entertaining. It would be, and we'll try sometime. We don't sing because Dana, Shelley, Stephanie, and Tyler have pretty voices. Sorry, awesome voices. Awesome voices. We don't sing because other churches do it. We sing because music is the applesauce that helps us to swallow the pill of truth. We choose songs that reinforce the truth about who God is, about who we are, and about how we're supposed to live. You know, we introduced a song not too long ago, Good, Good Father, and it resonates so deeply with so many of us. It's just, it's been crazy how that song has gripped the soul. And I don't think it's just because it's a cool, cool tune. I'm going to give you one reason I think it's worked. Because many of us had lousy dads. We had absolutely lousy earthly dads. And when we say the words, good, good father, in that tune, it creates dissonance. It bugs us. Can a father be good? What does a good father look like? I wish my father had been good. And now we find ourselves confronted with the reality of the truth of Scripture instead of the reality of our experience, which is not truth. God is a good, good Father. We need to hear it again and again. Our life experience is radically different than the truth of God and His Word. He wants you to hear the truth. Now, I'm not being simplistic here, okay? Music is a gift from God to help us to live in the reality of being deeply loved by God. We gave you the words to the song just a little bit ago. You know what's funny? When you read those words, they feel different than when you hear them to music. Look at the words in your hands. He knows my thoughts, the things that no one sees. He knows my heart. It's every broken piece. Somehow still, I'm held by this one thing. Yes, Jesus loves me, even me. Yes, even me. He knows my past, the choices I've made, when I have wandered, when I pushed away. I mean, it sounds beautiful and poetic, but put it to music, and it's amazing how that truth starts sliding down into your soul. And you start to actually believe that, yes, Jesus does actually love me. Drip, drip, drip. The truth buried in a tune grabs you by the soul and says, do you know it? I love you. Do you believe it? I love you. Do you feel it? I love you. Back to the Bill Hybels quote from last week. Put yourself under the waterfall of the affection of God every single day. That waterfall is found in knowing your real identity. I am a child of God. That waterfall is found in embracing the truth. I am forgiven by God. Nothing you could do could make him love you more. Nothing that you've done could make him close the door. That waterfall is found buried in your applesauce. Let truth-filled music into the silent spots of your life. Let the truth wash over you. Let it quiet the lies, replacing them with the reality of being deeply loved by God. This is just a start. Just a start on growing a loved heart. It's a small start, but it's a good start. He loves you. He really does. Know it. Believe it. 
feel it. I am utterly convinced that on judgment day, the Lord will ask one question and one question only. Did you believe that I loved you? How will you answer? I found myself recently praying and I said, God, I have to confess. I don't believe you love me. I'm sorry for that. Maybe we just need to confess. I haven't believed those words. I haven't believed that truth. Well, I want to take a moment to pull all three of these elements together. We're going to get a chance to witness some people who know they're a child of God. We're going to get a chance to watch some people who believe they've been forgiven by God. And we're going to do it to a tune that expresses the truth. We are deeply loved by God. Watch this experience from earlier this September.
are like a million pounds of truth there. I mean, look at that. To the one who has rescued my soul, and they know it, and they believe it, and there will come a day that they will stand in heaven and look Jesus in the eye, and they'll look at the Father behind, and they'll be able to say, I'm a child of God because of you. I've been forgiven because of you. Come on. I mean, seriously, seriously. If that doesn't do something to your heart, you may want to go visit St. Joe's. It may not be one in there. I mean, God loves you more than you can imagine. Believe it here, here, here. Get it. Our servers are coming right now to receive the offering. While they do, let me share a few things with you. This Tuesday night, we're starting a, a group I'm looking forward to. It's called Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. And basically, you know, you got a daughter and you want to love her and love her deeply and completely, we're going to be a group of guys that talk about how to love our daughters very, very well. Because I'll tell you what, everything I've talked about in this sermon, most of the problem people have with not believing God loves them is because of what human fathers do. And we have a chance as Christian dads to love our daughters so fully and richly and completely and yet imperfectly that they get a beautiful view of God the Father. A beautiful view. So uh, there's still time to go ahead and sign up for that. We've not started. Get online this afternoon and register for that. And you got to be a dad to do it, okay? Just, just making that really clear. But we look forward to that. Um, I want to encourage you as you walk away from today to get yourself on iTunes or whatever your music source is and pick up a couple of these songs and start, you know, just start letting the truth drip into your heart. Let it reside there. Listen to what God has to say to you. He wants to speak to you through the truth of music. So our team is coming back right now and um, we're going to actually close with the song we started with. It's a new song. And it's a song that talks about the deep, deep love that God has for us. Just beautiful, beautiful words. And I know, you know, we, we're doing this again because like some of you, some of you kind of missed that first five minutes of the service. And so you don't even know we did a new song today. And then others of you, you know, you heard it and you're like, I like that one. That one works. And what you're going to find now, now we're coming back to the end and doing this. Here's your applesauce. Big old pile of it in your plate. And this doesn't just have a pill in it, man. It's, it's laced. There are just tons and tons and tons of great truth medicine in there that God wants to take deep, deep down inside of you so you don't just know that God loves you, but you believe that God loves you and you absolutely feel that God loves you. So have I talked long enough? Awesome. Stand up. Let's sing. Try to stop your love And you would wage a war Try to take the very thing you gave your life for And you would come running and tear down every wall All the while shouting, my love, you're worth it all God, you pursue me Silence.
Great, great, great song. So, as you're on your way, a few things for you. Um, Unstoppable Love, download it, get in the minivan, crank it up, let it sink in, okay? Do that, it's really, really good for you. Live in the reality of being deeply loved by God. Officer Mullins, pick it up, you'll love it, you'll love it, okay? But more than that, live on the truth. Let the truth sink deeply into your soul. You may need someone to pray with you today. There's somebody standing at the table right up here after the service on your way out. On the side tables, there are some Bibles there. God's love love letter to you. He loves you that much that he left you a message. Go ahead and take one. It's yours. Have a great day. We'll see you.